0: The sooner you can get your ip filings in, the sooner you can get your grants the more strong your portfolio is good money management uh always important there's all sorts of trips and and all sorts of stuff that you can do but my takeaway is keep up the good communication have somebody on the team probably the ceo or the founder be the conduit to the investors in a way that is very personable and that they feel like they're providing help and input because they are. Welcome to Medsider
1: Radio, where you can learn from proven medtech and healthcare thought leaders through uncut and unedited interviews. Now, here's your host, Scott Nelson. Hey everyone, it's Scott. In this episode, I sat down with Eugene Malinsky, who is the CEO and co-founder of Lazarite. He's a serial entrepreneur with expertise in the internet and medical technology fields and also has hands-on experience as a medic and has worked in operating rooms throughout the country. He founded LazRite, a healthcare innovations company focused on cutting-edge surgical and lighting technologies in 2015. That same year, Eugene was selected as one of Forbes 30 under 30 recipients in the manufacturing sector. Here are a few of the key learnings that we discussed in this conversation with Eugene. First, put together a regulatory and development roadmap from the start and hire a consultant to help you refine the plan. Mapping out your path beforehand will pay off when it's time to submit your application to FDA. Second, Eugene sought input from surgeons throughout every step of the arthrofree development process. Those surgeons then turned into investors who drew in more investors. Maintain a strong line of communication with your financial partners and garner feedback from them through every stage of development. Let them be a part of the process. Third, be prepared for things to go south, whether it's a technology failure or a different issue within your company. Be aware of the problems and be ready to solve them. Don't brush them under a rug and kick the proverbial can down the road. Okay, so before we jump into the discussion, I want to mention a few things. First, when you think of the word branding, what comes to mind? A nice logo, some pretty colors, something along those lines, right? Well, that's what I used to think as well. In fact, most medical device and health technology startups deprioritize branding because they believe it truly doesn't matter, but here's why they're wrong. Regardless of who you're pitching, a VC, a manufacturing partner, potential employees, maybe even customers, you need to step inside their shoes and ask one simple question. How does my company or project make them feel? You see, most people in the world of healthcare and life sciences have a completely wrong perception of brand and branding, but a buddy of mine, Howie Chan has spent close to a decade using the power of brand strategy to launch some of the most innovative products, services, and companies that range from startups to fortune 500 enterprises. Howie recently started his brand design, micro agency, healthy brand consulting. Howie and his network of partners grew up in the world of healthcare and can help with research, creative strategy and experience all without the bulkiness of traditional agencies. Check out Howie's philosophy and his services at medsiderradio.com forward slash healthy brands. And for Medsider listeners, I was able to twist Howie's arm into giving away a couple free 60-minute consults. His schedule is pretty full, so Howie was only able to make this offer for the first three people that direct message him on LinkedIn. So head on over to medsiderradio.com forward slash healthy brands, send Howie a note, and mention this offer. Don't make the same branding mistake that most healthcare startups make give yourself an edge by partnering with Howie's team at medsiderradio.com forward slash healthy brands. Okay. Second, if you're into learning from proven medtech leaders and want to know when the new content and interviews go live, head over to medsider.com and sign up for our free newsletter. You'll get access to gated articles and lots of other interesting healthcare content. If you want even more inside info from medtech experts, think about a medsider premium membership. We talk to experienced healthcare leaders about the nuts and bolts of running a business and bringing products to market. This is your place for valuable knowledge on specific topics like seed funding, prototyping, insurance reimbursement, and positioning a MedTech startup for an exit. In addition to the entire back catalog of MedSider interviews over the past decade, Premium members get exclusive Ask Me Anything interviews and masterclasses with some of the world's most successful MedTech founders and executives. Since making the premium memberships available, I've been pleasantly surprised at how many people have signed up. So if you're interested, go to medsider.com to learn more. All right, without further ado, let's get to the interview. Eugene, welcome to MedSider. Appreciate you coming on.
0: Scott, thank you for having me. Uh, very glad and happy to be here.
1: Yeah, looking, definitely looking forward to the, the, the conversation. So um, let's start out with the basics. Um, and hopefully, we'll spend maybe, maybe five or 10 minutes learning a little bit more about your background. So let's start there. What were you kind of doing leading up to founding Lazarite?
0: Yeah, a uh, good place to start. So I'm a quote unquote serial entrepreneur. This is my, I guess, fifth company, depending on how you count. But I've, uh, uh, I've actually been doing a lot of sort of company formation, leadership, in a sort of, I started in the IT sector, um, actually did pretty well in that sector for a number of years before sort of switching over to medical sector. <clears throat> but that there's a little story there, which is I've always sort of, um, I've been good with my hands. I've... Uh, actually, I uh, have a chem degree, um, an engineering degree, but I, I've also always had this passion for medicine. So I've always had this sort of, let's call it, dual track life where I've been able to use a lot of my skills on IT, on engineering, but I've also been a medic. I spent a lot of time in hospitals, and, and I have this big passion for medicine. But it was really actually, those lives didn't really coexist until I actually went through and actually got a biomedical engineering degree, so I BME, and I was actually able to combine sort of both the things I was good at and my passion into sort of one one path. And I've been sort of growing uh, since then. So um, my prior company uh, right after, pretty much right after I got my degree or my master's degree in, a, in a BME, I uh, started another company, Dragon ID. Dragon ID was a medical device consultancy. And we uh, spent a lot of time in cardiac, ortho, neuro, and wearables. And we sort of did some really cool projects. Um, we had both local recognition as well as national recognition, And we got to work with some really amazing people because we would work all the way from your sort of uh, surgeon who had an idea in a napkin and the sort of curious what the process is to to bring that idea to life, all the way to working with uh, large companies and uh, working with some of their products and, and maybe helping them on their way. But it was consultancy, right? So we we did a, a sort of a lot of work for a lot of different people, but then of the day, none of it was, was sort of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always, uh, I can't say always, but in the last couple of years of that, I was a little bit on the lookout for where could I go next? How could I sort of combine all my relationships that I had built up, all sort of the skills um the team and, and sort of the expertise and and was there sort of a niche where it could be applied to in order to do our own thing and uh, uh, as these things happen right this wasn't planned but there's a there's a story that I tell, around sort of what actually led to the formation of what is now Lazarite and and what is now our first product that we're just about to go to the market with literally weeks away uh, from, from uh, introducing to the market, and that that's Arthur free. So so the story is I was uh, uh, so this is Dragon ID. I was on a contract. I was in a, a, a operating room. Uh, happened to be an uh, orthopedic operating room, uh, minimally invasive uh, surgery, so arthroscopy. There was a patient on the table. Getting ready for uh, uh, their surgery. The patient was already uh, intubated under anesthesia, fully draped, ready to go. And then a PA walked by the bed and tripped and fell on the cables that were actually going from the bed that were there for the surgery. And that sort of like right like everything sort of happened in slow motion as everybody always says right like the pa fell hurt herself uh, actually pretty badly from what i understand the surgery had to be scrubbed it's uh, was considered never event you're never supposed to see these things happen um uh, unfortunately they happen a lot or a lot more than we, w- we would want but i'm sort of standing there obviously after making sure that that we, we sort of took care of the PA that we took the patient uh, back and all that. I'm sort of standing there and I'm looking around and, and I'm just going in my head, this is crazy, right? Like the years, whatever, 2014, 2015, why, why are there all of these cables and wires to the surgical tower that, that shouldn't be there, right? Like, wireless surgery should be possible, right We have cell phones, you have all of these things and now right in 2022 that's even more true but but even back then I, I was like this this is crazy And so that became the impetus of what became lazarite right, what became lazar free
1: got it that that's super interesting story. so saw a problem like in real life which led to like spark sparked the the idea for, Arthrofree. Um, with that said, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the product, and then we'll kind of get into um, kind of a, a lot of the lessons you've learned, uh, you know, throughout your your med tech career. But tell us a little bit more about Arthrofree, kind of what it, what it is, and then where where the company's at. You hinted at the fact that you're close to commercialization, but give us a give us an overview if you can.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy to do so. So this actually follows, take directly from the story. So let's take this ten thousand foot view, right? Who in the audience, right, when you listen to, to, to this conversation, the question that I have to you, the audience, is raise your hand if uh, you've ever had any minimally invasive surgery or you know anybody in your family or your friend group who has. Virtually, I'm expecting everybody's going to raise their hand or say yes, of course. Right. When I say minimally invasive, I mean orthopedic, like arthroscopy, um, lap Uh, like uh, a lab coli, um, endoscopy, ENT, GYN, right? These are all minimally invasive surgeries. And there's sort of a common through line to all of these surgeries, which is that if you want to do a minimally invasive surgery, right, and more and more surgeries are becoming minimally invasive, what do you fundamentally need? right? The surgeon makes a tiny incision. That's what makes it minimally invasive surgery. But then you need a light into the body and you need video out of the body, right? Without those things, I don't care what the surgery is or what the tools are being used or what the organ or joint is, you can't do that surgery. So right now, currently, Besides arthrofree, and I'll get to it in a second, besides arthrofree, there are no FDA-cleared wireless surgical devices that can be used for surgery, for minimally invasive surgery. There's literally multiple cables running out of the surgeon's hand holding this camera, right? That. right takes the video from inside the body. There's a light to that camera that provides that light into the body. Multiple cables that are heavy, that are bulky, that are dirty, and go into the surgical tower that's across on the opposite side of the patient. And that's been the same way it's been for the last 50 years, right? So you think about everybody, like everybody thinks like the, the operating room is... Um, this sort of cutting-edge experience and all that. The, unfortunately, the reality is, while there has been a lot of innovation, so think like robotics, there's also a tremendous amount of stuff that's 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. Nobody's innovated on it. And doctors and nurses and PAs and the staff, they just they just make do. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those things. So what is Arthrofree? Arthrofree is the world's first Uh, FDA, uh, now FDA cleared, wireless surgical camera. um, We got our FDA clearance in March of this year. For anybody here uh, who's listening, who's uh, a little bit of a regulatory wonk, we got our clearance in three months. For those who are not, that is very fast. And we are very sort of thankful for the process that we went through. We had a really nice package that we put together. Um, so so we're, we've been very happy with uh, the FDA process. So the Arthur Free System is uh, a system that drops in into a current operating room. And I mean that virtually, literally, I can walk in and have the system up and running in about 10 to 15 minutes. And it eliminates the cables that the surgeon currently has to deal with. And it provides a much better overall experience for everybody. So I can connect our camera to existing pieces of equipment that are already in the operating room, and the surgeon and the staff don't have to spend hours re- relearning how mm-hmm. to use a system because it is meant and designed, and and we have a lot of human factors data to show that this is the case, that it is virtually a drop-in, incredibly low burden of sort of mental burden for, for the staff. Uh, so we can come into an operating room, set up our system in about 15 minutes, teaching a surgeon and the team takes about five to 10 minutes. It, it really is very, very easy. And then they can go ahead and start doing surgery like they do right now. But now, without those cables, with a lot more freedom of motion, with a lot more accessibility where they didn't have it before, a system that provides them all the functions that they expect without the drawbacks of the dirty cables, without the drawbacks of the weight from those cables, Uh, and, And a number of sort of other value propositions that we have for different audiences, but in the center of it all, right, is the surgeon and their team and their ability to perform surgery. And I am literally making their life easier.
1: Got it. That's super helpful. Thanks for the overview. And, I, and and for anyone listening that wants to learn a little, learn a little bit more about um, what Eugene is talking about that the the Art for free system their website's really you got a really nice website. I'm not sure who designed it, but it's uh it, it's nice and fun. You. Um and that's that's lazrite.com. It's l a z u r i t e.co. I should say dot dot co. Dot co. Um, you need to get that.com. <laughs> Lazarite.co. So yeah, ch- check out the websites. It's super cool. But Eugene, you mentioned something about your regulatory experience with FDA. I mean, that is incredibly fast. I think most of the the um the audience probably does understand, you know, 90 day turnaround uh, is is pretty is pretty quick. When you think about that process, what are what are what were some of the keys to success uh, with with your team?
0: Yeah, no, thank you for that question. It's um sort of go. Explain it like this. Having seen at my prior company Dragon ID processes from all the way from small companies to large companies, I had a sense of what worked and what doesn't work. And so one of the first things that I did, right? So I formed a company in 2015. I think on day four or day two, after I formed the company, I called a regulatory consulting firm, uh, Micra, in case anybody uh, is curious, but I called Micra and I said, look, here's what I want to do. I I have this idea for a wireless uh, camera system. We are going to have... new brand new light source on it and i'll get to that what that means in a minute but we have a brand new light source on it we have some really advanced wireless components that we're expecting and here is the path that i think it will need to take to get to the fda so i mapped first myself i mapped our 510k path chose our predicates Chose all the testing that I thought we'd need to uh, uh, to have done, gave that to Micra. Micra looked at it, sort of channeled their own expertise, probably talked to a few of, of the folks that they know at the FDA. Came back with some minor modifications to my plan, and we followed that plan throughout our entire development life cycle. So when it was time to in and submit, we had a whole package already put together. And obviously Micro helped us and mm-hmm. all that stuff, but we had a whole package put together because we were following the plan that was originally uh, created ahead of time. So that's one. And then number two thing that I did at the very beginning is one of my first hires, an expensive hire, Sort of because right, venture backed and all that. Like it's an expensive hire, but it was a critical hire. Is one of my first hires was our director of regulatory and compliance, and he's been with us almost since the start. Uh, and and why is that important? Because without that uh, person, his name is Patrick. Um, without Patrick being in the mix the entire time, there's no guarantee that we would have stayed on course contract to go through all the paperwork and all the processes that we would need to in order to be successful. So it was so how did we do our three how did we get uh, through so quickly in three months? We had a plan. We followed the plan. We had a person who was in charge of leading the plan. And then when we did put a package together for the FDA, it was very comprehensive.
1: Got it. Super helpful. So laying laying that foundation from the from the outset of, of, of the project, right, um, was crucial to I, I, what I imagine. Not not just you know a, a a fast turnaround with FDA, but probably just to your point earlier, being able to follow that plan led to a lot of efficiencies uh, along the yes, way.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Got it. And then and then you, uh, you you asked earlier, and I do. I just want to make sure I get this. You asked earlier where where we were as a company. So we right now, uh, as of the recording, are uh, weeks away from uh, shipping products. So we got our FDA clearance in March. That was actually a little faster than we expected. So we have... hardly ever hear that. Good.
1: Which you hardly ever hear right. that. In right, right, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah <laughs> that was that. So little, I mean, we were very grateful and thankful for it. So we've been aggressively hiring. We have been uh, working through the manufacturing and supply chain. And potentially by the time folks hear this, uh, we will either have already uh, just had our first man or we'll just have it in very shortly. Cannot mention who that is yet, Mm -hmm. but it is coming soon. But we are doing a full product launch. So no limited launch at act. We, we, we've been hiring a, a very nice, sophisticated sales team and getting distributors on board and all that stuff. So we are doing a full market launch. We're starting in the orthopedic sector. Uh, so arthroscopies, but, and this is the key, our FDA clearance covered, and I alluded to this earlier, our FDA clearance covered not just... Orthopedics, but also in virtually any minimal invasive surgery, as long as you can use our camera. So, Mm -hmm. Endo, GYN, ENT, all of those are markets that we would not be off label use. Our IFU would allow us to use our camera in those procedures, in those surgeries for both diagnostic as well as surgical uses, which we are very grateful for. And uh next year we're going to start addressing some of those markets.
1: That's cool. I I and I would imagine that was uh strategic, right? Um
0: <laughs> just a little yeah, bit. Just a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's good stuff. Well, congrats congrats uh on all of your success so far as well as the kind of the impending launch. Um and we're just for those listening, we're recording this in early Q3 of 2022, so if you're listening to it a little bit later after the fact, you can kind of get a sense for for the timeline. Um, let's. I want. I want to go back in time a little bit and talk about um, the the very early days at, at Athro Free, and this kind of speaks probably to your experience at, at 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 Dragon ID. When you think about that that ideation process and that that early iteration process around alpha and and leading into your you know the beta versions of your device, where do you think most startups make them the, the biggest mistakes?
0: So I'll say we had like. Four pre alphas before we even got to an alpha. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, I can tell you. Well, I mean, I can tell you where we made a lot of our mistakes, and and based on sort of pre history, I can say where other companies made it, and we made the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. The number one mistake that everybody makes, ourselves included, is everything always takes twice as much time and twice as much money. <laughs> and then it's probably double that again. So if you think it's going to take twice long and twice as much money, double that just 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 to be close yeah. to what it really will take. Uh, so we we were very optimistic. It took longer than we expected. It was harder than we expected. Even though the technology for like our pre alphas and what became our alphas and betas, the technology on paper was possible. And I was sort of pulling from automotive sectors, military sectors, a lot of non-medical locations. I was pulling a lot of things to put Arthur Free together. The reality was, it was that getting all those components to play nicely together and not in isolation was very difficult. And I think that's actually the mistake that a lot, if not most, if not even all startups make is unless you have something very simple and most startups don't, right? Because now we're sort of in this advanced stage that and things are getting really interesting out there in, in the med tech world. Um, everybody sort of builds on modules, right? I have this module, I have this module, and then you put them together and that's where the difficulties happen, is how hard is it to put things together? And I'll, and I'll actually give examples using ourselves. So when we started, uh, I sort of had a pretty good idea that uh, wireless, right? That wireless was going to be a problem. And not just in the sense that, look, I need to move a lot of data, which I do. It needs to never fail, which it does, but also it needs to be able to go through the FDA. And the FDA has some very strict considerations around wireless, because, right, if everybody thinks about their home router or their home internet or even your corporate internet, right, if it goes down, you can't work. Um, And how often does that happen? How often does your Wi-Fi at home break? It's it's not infrequent. Or even your cell phone doesn't always work. So if we're doing nominally critical patient data video transport, it can never break. So how do you build that? So I sort of based on a prior life, I found a company that provided a module that was actually more on the military side of things, and we went with a protocol called UWB, Ultra Wideband. It's an encrypted, secure uh, protocol, uh, nominally very fast. Great, I, th- I thought. Okay, it took me some months of testing. I was like, look, we have this module. This is this is wonderful. Uh, um, we we know how to solve wireless. Okay, so let's table that. Then I was like, okay, I now. So now this is like sort of moving a few years ahead, like alpha and beta. I have now this entire system put together. I drop in this wireless module. And what happens is that I have an incredible amount of lag or latency. In essence, if you're a surgeon doing surgery, you really cannot have any lag between what you perceive as your hand movement and what you see on the screen, right? As a reminder to the audience, right? It's a minimally invasive surgery. The surgeon's not looking down at the patient. There is no sight, right? It's a Mm -hmm. micro incision. What is the surgeon looking at? They're looking at a screen, and they're working with their hands, they're moving the camera, they're moving the tools with their other hand. And so if there's any separation between their hand movement and their expectation of what they see on the screen, what is called lag or latency, they will just drop what they're doing and say, this is unusable, I cannot do this.
1: Hey there, it's Scott, and thanks for listening in so far. The rest of this conversation is only available via our private podcast for MedSider Premium members. If you're not a Premium member yet, you should definitely consider signing up. You'll get full access to the entire library of interviews dating back to 2010. This includes conversations with experts like Renee Ryan, CEO of Cala Health, Nadeem Yared, CEO of CVRX, and so many others as a premium member, you'll get to join live interviews with these incredible medical device and health technology entrepreneurs. In addition, you'll get a copy of every volume of MedSider mentors at no additional cost. To learn more, head over to MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. Again, that's
0: MedSiderRadio.com forward slash premium. Uh-huh.